Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. When I was in prayer this morning, I I heard the Holy Spirit really speak to my heart and uh, these words right here. It's not time to be fiddling around with power. Recess is over. Playtime is over. And you have to come to a place as a congregation, as a church, as a community, not just of Christians, listen to my vocabulary, but a community of believers that you have resolved in your heart that you either believe in the power of God or you do not. And you're okay with believing in the power of God. Um, Pastor Josh preached last week, it was the day of Pentecost, one of my favorite days of the year to preach. He preached a message called No Ordinary Day. No Ordinary Day. And today I'm going to preach, I'm just going to caveat on the thought. And today I'm going to preach No Ordinary Power. And next week we're going to preach No Ordinary People. Right? But today I'm going to catch up with you in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Jesus said these words, Behold, I send the promise. Everyone say the promise. The promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Behold, I give unto you what? Power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Man, I wish I had. You know what? Go ahead and sit down. I'm going to start teaching right now. Sit, just sit down. Scorpions is an interesting Greek word. Um, scorpions has to do with the idea of not just the literal, I guess a scorpion is an insect, but the Greek rendering of the word scorpion comes from two areas. Number one, skepticism, to be skeptical. And then a spirit that causes people to scatter. A people that causes people to scatter. I've learned in 42 years of ministry that when a disease of skepticism gets among a community, then doubt will soon follow, mistrust will ensue, and the result is a great fallout. The spirit of the scorpion, the intention of that spirit is to cause the people to scatter. Zechariah said he saw two spirits being released in the earth that made people to scatter, to fray the people. And the Bible says that Zechariah then saw the spirit of a carpenter being released in the earth to terrorize the spirit of the skeptic. The spirit of the carpenter. The carpenter, of course, is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Um, I want to submit to you today that there is a move of God in the earth that is causing somewhat of a polarization among what we see as the Christian community in regards to just average, normal, and ordinary versus the people filled with expectation, anticipation, believing God for big, big stuff. If you continually listen to the scrutiny and skepticism of people, and you take the opinion of people over the word of God, you will always be serving a subservient perspective and never really surrendering 
to the will of God to release the power of God in a certain time. So Jesus said, I'm going to give you power to tread upon the spirit of skepticism. You are a powerful somebody when you can walk through earth with the call of God on your life and people are skeptical of you and it does not move you. So he says, and over all, not just over scorpions, but over all, everybody say all, the power of the enemy. The word power in Scripture is always in relation to two things. Number one, delegated authority. All right? Delegated authority, that's exousia in the Greek. The other word is dunamis, which means dynamite, which means delegated power. Okay? So, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, but you shall receive power. Now, in Luke 10, 19, whoo, I will give you power is exousia, the power of attorney. It is delegated authority. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power is dunamis, delegated power. When the Holy Spirit has what? Say it loud. It's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I told Pastor Josh this morning in the office just before coming into the sanctuary that something happened. Uh, I don't know when it was, maybe a decade ago. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. But it seems to me as if somebody turned off the power. Now, let me clarify what I'm saying. Um, the way I came up, I told you, 42 years, that's an, an entire generation of ministry, is that, you know, if people were sick, you laid hands on them. Right? You, you, you didn't recommend the first doctor that came to mind. You didn't recommend the first medicine that came to mind. The first reaction, the first knee-jerk response was let me lay hands on you. And then after that, we can, you know, follow whatever pattern you, you want to trace. But right now what we got to do is you need to be healed. And in the name of Jesus, be healed. You know, that's, that's how we were raised, you know. And so what are you saying, Pastor Rick? I was raised Pentecost. That's what we called ourselves Pentecost. You know, we believed in the day of Pentecost. We believed in the power of Pentecost. We believed in speaking in tongues, you know, the gift of interpretation. We believed in all that stuff. And not only did we believe in it, we practiced it. But now it's so foreign that rarely do you, you, you get to experience in Sunday morning services what I call a Pentecostal move of God. Why? Because it looks a little different when people are bent over and shaking and quaking and tears are coming out of their eyes and somebody's got their hand planted firmly on top of their head and to an outsider that walks in, that looks like there's a wrestling match going on and someone's winning and someone's losing. You know, we believe that if a person had an addiction to something that that was a generational curse, and that curse could be broken by not just the power of the Holy Ghost, but by following the principles of Scripture. That learned behaviors and appetites could be changed suddenly. Just a spontaneous move of God would make a man who walked in craving to smoke crack leave and never want it again. We just believe that God had that kind of power. Are y'all in the building right now? I remember a guy coming to one of my meetings when I was preaching out so much, and he was a heroin addict. And he had been through, oh, four or five rehabilitation programs and all of that. And then the Holy Ghost came on me and told me to tell him, today is the last day. Amen. Right? You're, you're never going to do it again. And I'm not going to give you 12 steps. I'm not going to recommend you to this house. All that's fine because I've seen it help so many people. But I knew right then, if I could just get my hand on his head, that the power of God was going to set him free. 
Can I tell you that God delivered that young man that day? He never did heroin again and ultimately started a church in Baton Rouge and is still a preacher today. So I just kind of have this conviction that it works. You know, and, and so that's kind of contradictory to what we see in church today because today is more about appeasing people. It's more about placating people. It's more about pats on the back telling you this is your best day and this is the best time of your life. And you know you're going through hell. And you're thinking it's really not my best day. It's really not my best hour. But God can get involved and turn your day all the way around. So it's almost like the power of God is welcome to a certain extent. Okay, God, you can move in here and, and Mike can run around a little bit and maybe somebody will dance a little bit. And maybe somebody might shout or bend over and God, you'll touch them and maybe a tear will come out. But now, you know, you, you don't just release all your power. I just find it funny that the first ministry of Jesus in the temple of God was casting out devils. The devils went to church. <laughs> and Jesus cast them out. I mean, that's, that's the work of the power of Jesus. There's something evil in here. There's demons in here. And they're coming out today. Right? Isn't that so? So it's almost like we're saying the power is welcome, but not full power. Because God forbid somebody receives the Holy Ghost and starts speaking in tongues, or God forbid that a demon come out of somebody, you know, because sometimes that manifests in some really strange ways. I remember a woman crawling up to me on her belly like a snake in Jamaica. She was literally doing this and her tongue going in and out. I was about to lay hands on her, but thank God for church mothers. When I went to lay hands on her, a sea of white covered her. And it was all the church mothers set on the right side with the white uniforms on, white hats, white dresses. And they were there just to warn the devil, we will kill you. They never smiled much. They just kind of look at you and rock. You're preaching and sweating and they're rocking. You may get this. That means you're doing really good. But this building was packed and people were on the outside and this woman came running up the aisle. She got about from me to the front row. She hit the ground slivering like that. And I, I was like, you know, young. 30-something years old, come on, I'm going to get you. And as soon as I thought that, church mothers took over. Turned around and looked at me and said, don't worry about it, pastor, no problem. But I want you to see what Paul told Timothy. Know this. 2 Timothy 3, 1. Everybody okay in the church? I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to tell you that the Lord is alive. The power of the Holy Ghost is real. And you've got to make a decision. Either you're a power church or you're not a power church. Either you believe in the power of the Holy Ghost or you don't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Either you're going to let deliverance happen in your church or you're not going to let it happen. You're going to either lay hands on the sick or you're not going to do it. But in this house, I'm believing God for a power church, a powerhouse church filled with power where people come down their marriage is totally destroyed and in a moment of time through prayer and travail they leave happy whole and living good for the rest of the I just believe in that kind of power I need to know if there's anybody in here that that's all right with you that we have a power church a power church and Paul told Timothy know this in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I remember preaching in Tulsa one time. Oh, man, I don't know what this is going to do here this morning. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me while I was preaching, call for homosexuals to be delivered. Well, this was a worship conference. This was for worship leaders. And there's about 600 worship leaders in this conference. And I thought, well, surely, God, you have missed it. Why would I give a call for deliverance for homosexual activity and all these guys and girls are worship leaders? And I heard the Holy Ghost say, the house is full of them. So I just, you know, there you again, you know, you're in your 30s, you say anything, you do anything, you jump on chairs, you what we call run the pews. So I said, I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost just told me. Ha! If you're dealing with homosexuality, yeah, like that. About three times out loud, but yeah, like that. There you go. Wow. And I said, the Lord told me to tell you, if you come up here right now, that God will deliver you from the very appetite of homosexuality because it's not of God. It's not of God. Well, in a minute, you know, my eyes are closed because I'm too scared to look to see if anybody's coming. And I open my eyes and I look down and everybody is in the altar. Certainly they were not all there to be delivered from homosexuality. But there were people behind them that were believing for it. Come to find out there was about 50 people that night that were delivered from the spirit of homosexuality. Now, that's, that, I only tell you that to say this. I believe until you address a spirit head on, what you do not challenge will never change. And what preachers will not address will learn to be comfortable. If you don't address it, it's going to sit comfortable among you. Are y'all in the building right now? So, you know, at some point... As men and women of God, we've got to get to a point to where we say, are we just going to keep placating people and just helping them, you know, step along and never really challenging them to change? Or are we going to say, there's a power that comes from God that can instantaneously change your entire life. So he said, know this, in the last days, there will be a people having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now we usually stop right there. He says, from such people turn away. Now that's strong because I've learned something. Pessimistic attitudes are contagious. Doubt is contagious. Doubt is as contagious as sin itself. Jesus said, I can't do miracles in certain places because of one thing, your unbelief. Are y'all in the building? So it's very, care it's very important that you be careful about who you associate with. You better ask your neighbor sitting next to you now, do you believe in this power? Be sure they believe in that power. And if they tell you no, just scoot down two or three seats. Let me just ask y'all before I preach the rest of this message. Does anybody in here believe in the power of the Holy Ghost? All right. I just want to be sure I'm in the right place here. Dare you to shout, Lord, send the power. How do you know that 
that this is not the church that God ordained to hit the switch again. Tell your neighbor we are here to hit the switch to turn the power back on. Woo. You can be seated. Power. An inner strength that does not depend on outward things. I pray the power will get a hold of you today. Power, an inner strength that does not depend on outward influences. An inner strength that does not depend on outward things. It comes from a different place. Somebody shout, no ordinary power. Now, we were talking about ordinary power. We would be talking about normal power, usual power, average power, typical power, common power. Two kinds of power that I want to look at today. Ordinary power versus delegated power. All right? Ordinary power versus delegated power. Now, I'm going to ask you to recognize and respect the aim of my dialogue this morning. Recognize and respect the aim of my dialogue this morning. Understand and embrace the goal of my message. Please, you must view this message from a biblical perspective or you will never arrive at the godly conclusion that I'm trying to present to you. So if you're not looking at this message through a biblical perspective, then you're from the outside. You're viewing it from the outside. I believe that most of you love the Lord. Well, about 20 people said amen. We got, got 20 Jesus lovers in the building. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. I believe that most of you are lovers of Jesus. I'm going to take it a step further. Let's, let's elevate it. I believe that most of you are believers in the power of God. Now, because I feel like I have the majority, I can preach this message and you will understand it. All right? Here's ordinary power. Ordinary power is the power someone exercises because of their title or the office they hold. That's ordinary power. It's a power that someone exercises because of their title or because of the office they hold. It is the rights of a person who holds a position of authority. It's the rights of a person who holds a position of authority. You still with me? Ordinary power. A father has certain rights and authority over his children. Why? Because he holds the position of the father. That's ordinary power. It is the moral right to teach and govern by virtue of your office. Talk in the building, Pastor. Ordinary power is the moral right to teach and govern by virtue of your office. Right? Delegated authority is different than ordinary authority. You didn't necessarily ask to be a father. You became a father. Praise the Lord. Hey, babe. Some of y'all understand where I'm coming from. 62 with a two-year-old. I was in San Antonio the other day. I said, this is my son, Dustin. He's 42 years old. You have any more sons? Yeah, River, he's two years old. I'll leave it right there. Delegated authority is different than ordinary authority. I'm sorry. 
I still get tickled. Delegation authority. Thank God for being locked in your house for five years. Delegated authority. To to entrust a task, to entrust a task or responsibility to someone after you have empowered them to accomplish that task. I'm going to read it again. Delegated authority. To entrust a task or responsibility to someone after you have empowered them to accomplish that task. Give us an example, Pastor Rick. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus went to the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night. How long did he pray? All night. And he asked his disciples at one point, could you not pray for an hour? And when it was day, look at it, verse 13, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Delegated authority. The word named here in the Greek means a designated position and a delegated power. It's different than ordinary power. It's delegated power. See, you can be elected to an office. Amen, J.C. Watts. You can be elected to an office, right? This man was a congressman. How did he get there? We elected him to be there. Are you all in the building? If you can be elected by people, you can be impeached by people. Let me say it another way. If you can be elected by people, you can be evicted by people. But to be named to a place is not to be elected. It's to be selected. When you are named, it does not come from people under you. It has to come from someone over you. It doesn't come from people you have authority over. It comes from someone who has authority over you. Preach here, Pastor Rick. This is what you call delegated power. Now, let me submit something to you. You are not only called, you are chosen. You are not only chosen, you are named. There was not an election held that contain your cousins, aunties, uncles, and nephews, brothers and sisters, and they elected you to be a man of God. God did not ask them their opinion when he selected you. He did not ask them for their vote when he selected you. The greatest thing anyone ever told me in ministry was these words. Pastor Rick, man didn't put you in and man can't take you out. God called you. God chose you. God selected you. God named you. God anointed you. If you are in this building and you know you are called you know you are chosen and you know you've been named, then you should also know that the power that is offered to you today is no ordinary power. The power that is offered to you today is delegated power. It's a power that nobody can take from you. And I'm here today to tell you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he gave you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And can nobody have your love, nobody can take your sound mind, and nobody can take your power. If you thank him for the power, I double dog day to give him about 15 seconds of crazy praise. Tell your neighbor, this is not ordinary power. This is delegated power.
I hear this in my soul. This ain't in my notes. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the I dare you to throw your hands up and shout, Lord, bring the power back. Bring the power back. Bring the power. We will allow it. We will let you do what you want to do. God, have your way in this building. Just send your power. Power to heal. Power to save. Power to restore. Power to deliver. Send your power. Now, I want to remain contextually correct for all of you theological interested people because too many Pentecostal preachers preach to all beef patty, special sauce, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion, and sesame seed bun, ah, and people shout. You didn't say nothing, but you like McDonald's. So I'm not here to be that guy. I don't like preaching that is not doctrinally sound and theologically correct. So let me clarify some things. Before you write me off, let me bring you some clarity and understanding. See, this power was a power that came by a promise. Acts 1-4. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, not listen carefully, but to wait for the power, no, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit in not too many days. This power came, this delegated power came by a promise. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off for all who will call on the name of the Lord. What qualifies you for the promise? What qualifies you for the power? If you will just call on the name of the Lord. From afar off you can call on him. Acts chapter 8 verse 14, the apostles were in Jerusalem and they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God and they sent Peter and John to Samaria and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Now, listen carefully. They prayed for who? The new believers. Peter and John heard that Samaria had received the word so they went there to pray for the new believers. What did they pray for? that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Hold on now. Hold on now. We already believe. Well, let me help you. Demons believe. You can believe and not have the power. You can believe and not have the Holy Spirit. And this is the distinction. This is the polarization. This is the thing we must recognize. Either you believe in the power or you don't believe in the power. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. So John and Peter placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's going to get quiet now because right there, your theological stronghold just was shaken to its core. Because you did not know that you could believe in God, believe in Jesus, and not be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I came by to tell you, it's two separate, distinct 
experiences as two separate, distinct events. One, you were cleansed. The other one, you were filled. Twenty-four years later, Acts 19, Apollos is at Corinth. Paul took the road, the, the interior, and went to Ephesus. And there he found disciples. And they, listen what he asked them. The first thing he did, disciples are learners of Christ, students of Jesus. As soon as he got there, he looked at them and said these words. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Getting quiet now. I know y'all believe because you're disciples, but I got a question for you. Did you get baptized in the Holy Ghost when you believed? Just getting quiet. Y'all ain't liking it. I know one thing. A Baptist region has a hard time receiving a Pentecostal message. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? Listen when they said no. We didn't even know about the Holy Ghost. So Paul said, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, we received John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, to believe in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I need to know where that stopped. Have I lost my mind or is this the book of Acts? See, the book of Acts has no conclusion. The book of Acts does not end by saying, thank you for enjoying the letter. The book of Acts is being written right now. And either we are going to continue to walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me help you. If you've received John's baptism and you were born again and you're good with that, then God bless you. I hope you make it. But if there's more, guess what I want? I want more. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Am I making any sense to you? I hadn't done anything but read the Bible. If you got a problem, take it up with the Bible. The promise was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have a few minutes left, and I'm going to work that few minutes. So the delegated power comes by a promise. Number one, the delegated power comes through a pour, P-O-U-R. Acts 2.12, they were all amazed and in doubt, like some of y'all today, saying to each other, what does this mean? What does this mean? What are you talking about? This crazy Cajun preacher coming up here, up in here telling us about Holy Ghost power. How dare he? What does this even mean? And let me just say something. I told Josh this morning. The enemy's greatest deceit among the people of God is number one, to deceive you out of who you are. Number one, your identity in Christ. And number two, to deceive you out of what you have. So he is gently, slowly put us to sleep in regards to the Holy Ghost. He has gently, slowly caused us to slumber into a sleep in regards to the power that we have in our very hands. That's why you don't see people laying hands on folks no more. You don't see altar calls for the baptism of the Holy Ghost because we don't know if we believe in it anymore or not. Well, I'm here to declare emphatically at Quest Church, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire with power. Peter stood up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, hey, Judea, all y'all that are living in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to my words. We are not drunk like you think we are. 
And I'm not telling you we ain't drunk. I'm just saying we're not drunk like you think we're drunk. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I will pour out of my I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. Listen to it, and they shall prophesy. You study yourself. The word servants here means a male who is voluntarily subject to God. Not forced to serve God. They are voluntarily men who are voluntarily subject to God. Handmaidens are females who are voluntarily subject to God. Nobody forced me to do it. I voluntarily subject myself to God. There is no way you're going to experience the poor if you're being forced to experience it. There's no way you're going to experience the poor if somebody's making you try to experience it. You have to voluntarily subject yourself to the poor. Watch what happens. When the Bible says, Joel, looking through the, the telescopic lens of prophecy concerning the end times, he says these two people, Men and women who voluntarily subject themselves to God, the, the Spirit will be poured on them and they will prophesy. What does that mean? It means to foretell or to tell forth, to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and to exercise the power of the prophetic office. Why do you need the poor? Because if you get the poor, then you not only foretell, you tell forth. You've got the power to direct your days. you got the power to call your children into a future that is blessed, protected, secure, insulated, because the power rests in your mouth when you receive the poor. I dare you to look at somebody and tell them you have the power to prophesy a great future. I'm preaching to myself right now. I can tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see what you prophesy. You keep saying it's going to end bad and this ain't good. Guess what? It's going to end bad and it ain't going to be good. But when you got the poor and you got the power, you can prophesy to your future and tell your days, I'm coming. Line up. <laughs> I got I, no way I can preach this whole thing. Exodus 29, the first time the word poor is mentioned. Just sit down one more time. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Just sit on down. First time the word poor is ever mentioned. You know what it's in relation to? Exodus 29, verse 7 through 9. I won't even read it. He said, get Aaron and his sons and pour oil on them to become my priests. Meaning when you receive the poor, it makes you become what God intended you to be. And it expedites that process. The poor expedites the process of you becoming the person you're supposed to be in the purpose God ordained you to live in. It secures you. It sets you. It's a type of consecration. Get Jehu and pull him out from among his brothers. Put him in this little room right here. Elisha, go in there with oil. Pour it on his head. And run because he's about to become something he's never been. The word there in the Hebrew means to meddle or to galvanize. See, you think oil on you makes you fluid. It does not. It makes you galvanized. It's a cast. It casts you. It sets you. You'll never show me anyone that's received the pour of the Holy Ghost in their life that is not galvanized about their convictions. They're set. 
They know who they are in God and they know, they know the power they possess. I dare you throw your hands up and shout, pour, Lord. Pour it on me. It signifies not only quantity, but quality. The poor is a quality poor. Jesse, you got any more sons? This is Samuel speaking. I got one more, but he's taking care of sheep. Go get him. David walks in. Samuel arises. God says, pour the oil on him. He's the one I've chosen. And the oil set him apart from his brothers. I'll leave it alone. To pour means to empower. It's delegated power to promote the influence of a movement. It's delegated power to empower you, to enhance the momentum of a movement. If the enemy steals our power, he steals our momentum. If he steals our power, he stops the move. The last time you fell out on your knees and prayed in the Holy Ghost for 30 minutes. You know I'm talking to you because some of y'all used to pray in the Holy Ghost, but now you keep it quiet because it's not popular. Woo! Preach on, Pastor Rick. So the Lord showed me this illustration this morning. He said, I will pour out my spirit. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's a vessel that is available. Are y'all with me? It was a vessel, but it wasn't full. You anoint my head and my cup runs over. You make a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. And the Lord showed me this. There's two other kind of people. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. But only your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Only your handmaids and your servants will prophesy. I'll pour it out on everybody. But those that receive it will be handmaidens and servants, sons and daughters. Not everybody going to receive it. Some people have received it and decided they had enough of it. Right here, see this guy? He put a lid on it. And God can pour out all he wants. It don't matter. He ain't gonna receive because he's closed off to it. So many people have closed themselves off from being open to receive. Then God showed me this guy. Then God showed me that guy. You know what that guy represents? Someone who has fallen and do not believe that they qualify to receive the poor. I came by to tell you if you're that guy, look at the devil and tell the devil, do not rejoice over me when I have fallen, for I shall rise again. David, the Bible said, after he fell with Bathsheba, the Bible says he went to the house of God and he anointed himself and he began to worship the Lord. I don't care how many times you've fallen, get up. Get up and say, pour it on me, God. Pour it on me. Is there anybody in the building that wants the power? Throw your hands up and shout, Lord, send the power. I need the power. Woo! Woo! 
throw your hands up and say, poor Lord, poor. Shout it again, pour it, Lord, pour it. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You either want it or you don't want it. You either believe it or you don't believe it. But if you believe it this morning, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar, throw your hands up, and say, God, fill me with your power. your power. I'm halfway done with the message, but I'm going to stop because I'm going to let the Holy Ghost do his thing. If you got the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I dare you to start praying in the spirit right now. Shout it as loud as you can. This is that. This is that. This is that. That's what Peter said. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days I will pour. Throw your hands up, take the bend out of your elbows and begin to ask God to pour his spirit out on you. Fill me with power. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, let fire fall. Let the Holy Ghost come in this building. Let power hit every person. Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you do something like that with us today?